You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Little Wit, and I hope that you are enjoying your Victory Tuesday. Now that the Bears are 2-1, they're eyeing their first divisional win of the season as they take on the 2-1 Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. So to kick off our Week 4 preview, I sat down with Sam Ekstrom of Zone Coverage Minnesota, who shared the ins and outs of this Vikings team. He explains how the Vikings have been able to run the ball as good as any team in the NFL, the lack of wide receiver depth, whether that's an issue or not, the mysterious case of Kirk Cousins, and of course, what's the latest on the Vikings' perennially strong defense. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and meet the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. Thanks for joining me today, Sam. Our listeners, they're eager to learn more about the Vikings as we prepare for week four, which, by the way, I can't believe we're already at week four. I'm glad to have you on. How have you been so far this season? Doing well. Well, you know, we're, we're right in the thick of kind of this uh, this early to middle part of the regular season campaign. It feels good to get in a routine. You know, training camp and preseason kind of gets long there at the end. You get into September and you finally get to get into that, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice routine get the injury reports, play the game Sunday, and then, and then start again. And, and that's when the season really starts to fly. So I'm sure before long, uh, we'll be talking about Week 17, Vikings and Bears rematch again. So uh, this is only the, the first of two compelling matchups this year. Absolutely. And on top of that, you know, you talked about getting into a groove. It's been hard here in Chicago, starting off with a Thursday night game. And then, of yeah. course, you have a 4.15 kickoff, well, 4.15 Eastern, 3.15 Chicago time. And then last night, Monday night. So we're actually going to have a Sunday afternoon game, which is exciting for me to kind of get into that typical game day groove. But just to kind of kick things off here, Sam, I do have a general question about the Vikings because like I said, we're nearing a month into this thing, which again, it feels like yesterday where the season began, but is this Vikings team where you expected them to be at this point of the season? Yeah, it's, it's odd here in Minnesota because there are so many expectations of this team yet at the same time, I think, fans also kind of learn to expect that there are going to be some bumps along the way. And when you come in, you beat Atlanta at home convincingly in the opener. Okay. That's par for the course. Vikings teams have been doing that, you know, under Mike Zimmer for six years. Then you go to green Bay, you put Kirk cousins in a big game on the road against a rival. And he, he delivers an absolute dud, which he did all last season, kind of in those same situations when he just showed you, you know, and the team had just showed you the ability to play a complete a complete game. And then they would go uh, they would go lay an egg. And that's what happened in Green Bay. And I think there was a lot of eye rolling and, you know, oh, here we go. Same old cousins. Uh, nothing's changed. And now I think opportunity number two here is around the corner for cousins to redeem himself and start to change the narrative. There is not a lot of patience 
in this league, as you know, with quarterbacks. And, and I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure there's been plenty of whispering about, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, especially after mm-hmm. week one. And he, he seemed to redeem some of that last night, I would say. So he's going into this week four game with some momentum. Cousins is going into this week four game again with some momentum. They handled a bad Oakland team on Sunday. And a lot of that is because of the running game. You know, Cousins hasn't had to do much in their two wins this year. The one time that he was, you know, really put on the spot, he failed against Green Bay. So I don't know how many more hits his reputation can take. And the Vikings have historically been awful in Chicago. These are the defending champions of the division. Uh, he could do a lot of good for himself by coming together and, and you know, putting out a, a, a performance requisite of an $84 million contract on Sunday. I do want to kind of dive into a few things that you've already kind of mentioned. And first, let's talk about that rushing attack because it's been very strong. Dalvin Cook, he's healthy, leading the NFL in rushing yards with 375. And backup rookie Alexander Madison, he's also chipping in pretty well, 132 yards on the ground, averaging a whopping 5.3 yards per carry. So what's behind some of that success running the football for Minnesota? Yeah, that was the huge emphasis from Mike Zimmer. And it we started to see that middle of last season when he kind of had a schism with then-offensive coordinator John D. Filippo, who eventually got fired after Week 14. But Zimmer wanted to run the ball more. They really relied on that in the division title season two years ago. They got away from it under their new coordinator, John D. Filippo, and they were trying to get back to it. And they just couldn't establish any rhythm in the running game last year you know, it was uh, it was Dalvin Cook kind of in and out with injury. Latavius Murray is not nearly the same caliber of back, and and the offensive line was very patchwork. They you know they lost their offensive line coach Tony Sperano tragically uh, before the season, and they had co-offensive line coaches that may not have had quite the same vision or the ability to sort of express things in the same way. Uh, so they bring in Rick Dennison. You know, he is a Gary Kubiak disciple from way back. You know, and they bring in Kubiak who has this zone running, you know, wide zone kind of mentality. And and he and Dennison have really worked together to shape this thing. Obviously, they drafted Garrett Bradbury, the first-round center, who's actually arguably been the weakest link in this offensive line so far. Uh, The tackles have been really good. But you, you know what I think is a true mark of this rushing attack? Blocking from skill players. Uh, the tight end, Kyle Rudolph, is having some of the best blocking success of his career. And he's notoriously a bad blocker. And if you watch the tape back of the game at Soldier Field last year, he was getting abused. Um, you know, the, the, the young backup tight end, Irv Smith, one of the youngest players in the NFL, he's been much better at blocking than a lot of people anticipated. And you know who's getting used second most uh, of all the Vikings running backs? It's not Alexander Madison. It's the fullback, C.J. Ham who has 73 snaps this year, third most in the NFL, and he's got one of the best run-blocking groups in football. So they've gone bigger. You know, they're using a lot of two tight ends, two running back sets. They're stretching the field wide and then setting up sort of their receivers, tight ends, and, and lead fullbacks to get out and block. And they've done a fantastic job of that. Uh, they, they lead the NFL, I believe, in edge rushing attempts. I don't know how that's going to work out with, you know, Khalil Mack pursuing those. But they're definitely going to show Chicago their full arsenal, and they're going to try to make Chicago run after them and chase them down on the sideline. But it's been a fun transformation to see from one of the worst rushing teams in football now to one of the best. 
Yeah, you hit on a lot of good points as to why, and I had a couple of follow-ups, but you kind of took the words out of my mouth, and I appreciate that. I mean, the keen insight, that's why I bring you on, Sam. You're the expert of the Vikings. Uh, the fact they're using a fullback as much as they are, and skill position blocking, especially on the perimeter, is huge uh, when you have those speed guys that like to get around the edge like a Dalvin Cook. But let's go over to Kirk Cousins, because when I was preparing for this show today, I'm starting to see a lot of clamoring for Kirk Cousins, his role to be that game manager. Uh, to me, that's crazy considering how much they're paying him to be a game manager. Um, but when Cousins does take that back seat uh, and the dynamic rushing attack that we just discussed kind of takes over, it does look like the Vikings seem to be better on offense. He didn't have a single throw in the entire fourth quarter last week against Oakland. So, Sam, I want to know, like, where do you stand here? Is less actually more when it comes to Kirk Cousins? I think that was this team's approach, certainly, going into the offseason, whether they'll admit it or not. I think they wanted to mitigate some of those Kirk Cousins' mistakes because as flashy as the final stat line looked last year, and some people can be kind of a slave to the box score sometimes when they see 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, uh, they kind of get starstruck and they, and they say, well, it wasn't Kirk Cousins' fault at all last year. Well, you know, a lot of that was garbage time, and it's not including his fumbles. You know, he is still one of the most fumble-prone quarterbacks in the league. And when you drop him back 40 times a game and he's not very comfortable under pressure, uh, you're going to run into more of those issues. And we saw it against Green Bay. And I know it's kind of a, the one uh, wart on Kirk Cousins' season thus far, so you kind of keep coming back to it. But the Green Bay game was resembling so closely all of the, the negative that we saw last year. You know, he... He threw a game-changing interception in the red zone. He fumbled the football, and uh, he wasn't accurate, which is actually very uncharacteristic. He wasn't making the easy throws. So, again, I think they're trying to mitigate some of those issues that they anticipate him having, and that's, you know, the more you drop him back, you put him in trouble, uh, then he's going to make mistakes. And as flustered as he gets under pressure – you know, that's why they're trying to, to roll him out more on that play action. And Green Bay did a great job of stopping that, but Oakland did not. And, you know, you saw in that first drive of the game against the Raiders, bootleg to the left, Adam Thielen runs a great route. He hits him in stride for a touchdown. When he has time to throw on play action, which presumably they're going to set him up for with this great rushing attack, mm-hmm. uh, then he's probably going to make some plays. So, you know, run, 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 set up play action, and, uh, and then cash in. So when he gets those opportunities, he has to cash in. Didn't against Green Bay when they needed to. So again, big big opportunity to bounce back on Sunday. And Cousins, he may not have a lot to work with, at least in terms of receivers. Uh, Chad Beebe, he was carted off the field on Sunday with an ankle. Uh, I haven't seen an update on that yet today. Uh, that looks like the Vikings currently have three active receivers on the roster. Uh, you have Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and then the rookie Johnson. Are you concerned about the lack of wide receiver depth, or do they have the playmakers like a Rudolph and relying on a running game enough to kind of overcome this? Well, 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 I think there's a secret weapon who might be coming back to Minnesota, and his name is Laquan Treadwell, um, who Hmm. has been a thorn in the Vikings' side for the past three years. Um, First-round pick didn't work out. Reports are today that he is returning. It hasn't been announced by the team yet, but... I think that tells you that Chad Beebe's probably out for a while. He wasn't putting any pressure on that right leg. But, you know, they hadn't really used their third and fourth wide receivers anyway. 
So is Treadwell going to make an impact? Um, I doubt it. He didn't for three years, and he didn't make the team in year four. And no one else signed him. So I think that tells you kind of all you need to know. But he is a body, and he does provide that little extra insurance in case somebody goes down. Uh, I think this team is one that's going to rely on those backup tight ends. It's, it's Rudolph and it's Irv Smith, who showed some explosiveness in the receiving game last week for the first time, had two uh, passes of 20 yards or more, his first positive plays in the NFL. Uh, you know, and then they get the ball to the running backs a lot through the air as well. You know, Dalvin, Alexander Madison's got very soft hands. This team likes to use all its weapons, and their wide receiver three this year very well could be an aggregate of sort of, uh, you know, the backup tight end, the backup running back, and, and a couple rookie receivers here and there. But I don't think you're going to have a third person on this team with 500 yards. It just might not happen. It, 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 might, it might be Dalvin Cook, I guess, if he gets enough screen passes, but you're not going to have a traditional wide receiver three, and that's just the way it shook out. The Vikings couldn't afford to invest in that in the offseason, so they're trying to patch it together with uh, with sort of the sum of their parts. All right, so I'm looking for a recipe for success for Chicago on defense. And obviously, in order to do that, I need to look at that loss to Green Bay. And to me, a couple things stood out. One, uh, just how mightily Minnesota struggled on third down. And secondly, uh, they were held without a touchdown in each of their red zone trips, despite being able to put up a number of yards on that Green Bay defense. What was behind some of those offensive struggles, or maybe another way to frame this would be, what did Green Bay on defense do so well to kind of you know mitigate the damage a little bit? And you may have alluded to it when you're talking about the ability to stop uh, play action. Yeah, for sure. Well, number one is they set their edges very wide, and they didn't crash down to cut off cutback lanes. So when the Vikings would run play action, you've got Dean Lowry just camping out on the edge, not worried whatsoever about Dalvin Cook getting the handoff and then cutting it back. And so many times, Green Bay called it absolutely perfectly, and they were waiting for Kirk Cousins. And he'd go out on a naked bootleg, turn around, and there's Dean Lowry in his face. And on the game-changing interception late in the game, same case. Rolls out to the right, Dean Lowry's in his face, he's backpedaling, and then the egregious mistake of not throwing the ball away, trying to make a play to Stephon Diggs, picked off. Uh, by Kevin King, and that was that. Um, but I think you look at penalties, too. You know, the Vikings were one of the most penalized teams in football through the first two weeks. Uh, they were penalized a lot offensively against Oakland, so penalties have been an issue, but uh, especially the holding calls. And you know, everyone knows how backbreaking those can be. Mm-hmm. The Vikings' interior line has been responsible, you know, for a lot of setbacks this year with Pat Elfline, Garrett Brownberry. Um, they've been a little grabby. So I, they've got to be penalty-free. They can't shoot themselves in the foot this week. They need Kirk Cousins to make some plays with his arm, though, in the red zone. And the Vikings have scored, I believe, six of nine touchdowns in the red zone this year, and they were all on the ground. Um, Kirk Cousins has one completion in the red zone, and it was a tight end screen last week. He hasn't really fit any, any balls in the tight windows, no, no fades to Stephon Diggs. That needs to improve. And I know that historically – you know, teams that can run in the red zone do well. This team is clearly, in a small sample size, probably too run-reliant. Kirk Cousins will have to start proving that he can make those tough throws in the red zone because that's been an issue his whole career. It was an issue last year. We see it every day in training camp and practice. They run a two-minute drill uh, late in practice. You know, their offense tries to score, and many times Kirk Cousins would get stonewalled. So 
that's not his strength. Uh, and that's one area where I think he probably needs to improve if the Vikings want to get to where they want to go. So I heard you correctly. You said that Kirk Cousins has one completion in the red zone. One? Uh, one, yes. And it's, wow. it's not in all that many attempts. I, I'm trying to remember the attempt number. I think it's something like five. It's, it's not a big number. And, uh, and let's say this as well. He had a touchdown pass um, overturned in the Green Bay game on kind of a controversial offensive pass interference call away from the play. So that needs to be taken into account as well. But, you know, the Vikings have also scored from distance. Like they scored from 45 yards out against Green Bay. They scored from 85 yards out. They scored from 35 yards out against uh, Oakland and I think a couple against Atlanta. So they have been scoring from distance. It's just in those kind of close quarters where the field shrinks. Mm-hmm. He's not been good at passing, and they haven't necessarily trusted him to make a lot of throws. That's crazy to me. Like, we're three games in and just one completion in the red zone. Like, I had to make sure to follow up because I was like, maybe you misspoke. But the fact that you didn't, going up against this Bears defense, I mean, that gets me a little excited about the possibilities, even if the Bears defense bends, uh, the inability to break. But we'll talk about that here uh, in a bit. But I do want to kind of switch over gears and talk about that Vikings defense as well. And to start, Anthony Barr, he had to miss the last game. He's dealing with a groin, but uh, I thought his replacement, Eric Wilson, played very well. I mean, how hard is it to see, right? Leading the team in tackles and sacks for that game with 11 tackles and two sacks. Uh, Anthony Barr did say he should be back this week, but do you see that the Vikings could potentially give Wilson some reps too after a performance like that? Yeah, that's a that's a question worth asking and an educated question on your part to sort of recognize the uh, the unsung hero, Eric Wilson, who base linebacker and did very well. And then against Oakland, yes, he was responsible in pass coverage on a couple big plays, you know, the flea flicker touchdown, which is hard to defend, and then uh, a drop by Darren Waller later on. But he's historically been good in coverage. I'm not really concerned about that. He's gotten a lot better in run support and in blitzing. He's actually a converted safety. Uh, he used, he's got great speed, used to be a defensive back. And uh, there was one play that I think really characterized his game against Oakland where he diagnosed uh, exactly you know where the sort of blitzing lane was going to be. He walked up to the defensive line, and he, he saw that uh, Hercules on off of the three technique was sort of out of position. He goes up and he slaps Hercules and says, hey, you know, get to the left, man, get in the A-gap. And then Wilson shoots through the gap where Mata'afa used to be for a sack of Derek Carr. I mean, it was a, it was a great play that exhibited his pre-snap diagnosis, his speed to get to the quarterback, and his physicality to finish it off. Um, will he get snaps if Anthony Barr's healthy? I don't know. I mean, special teams, for sure, he's going to make an impact. He had a blocked punt in week one against Atlanta. Um, this team doesn't really rotate Barr and Kendricks, though, out of the game. I mean, they're going to play 100% of snaps if they're healthy enough to go. The only reason I could see Wilson maybe playing is if they go with, uh, like, a big nickel, where, mm. you know, again, their, their nickel corner, Mackenzie Alexander, is still on the, uh, the comeback trail from an elbow injury. Not sure if this is a week that he's going to return, maybe next week. So if he's not, you know, Mike Hughes is just getting reacclimated from his ACL tear. He's got one game under his belt. J. Ron Curse is an option. You know, he's a safety that can kind of crash down and, and play some big nickel. But Eric Wilson's also a suitable uh, body to have in there. I could see him getting a few snaps in a, a very unique or specific sub package. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, really reliable fourth linebacker to have on this team. Looking at the secondary, obviously, uh, the big change for Minnesota is that Andrew Sandejo, he's gone. He went to Philadelphia. And I had Anthony Harris stepping in at safety. And when I'm looking at the secondary through three games, I mean, they look to be playing very well, only allowing about 5.9 yards per attempt. But then when you're looking at completion percentage, you're looking at a the sixth highest in the NFL. Uh, they're allowing quarterbacks to complete about 72% uh, percent of their passes. So let's take a little step further into this, a little bit past the box score, the stat sheet here, Sam. What's your take on the secondary through the first three games? Uh, yeah, they've generally been really good. And that's a, that's a case where a small sample size will get you. Or if you don't look at the situational numbers, uh, you have to take into account that the Vikings led Atlanta 28 nothing in the third quarter, and they led Oakland you know, 34-7 to in the fourth quarter. And in both those games, the defense went to a complete prevent mode. Uh, they allowed you know, arguably two garbage touchdowns in the Atlanta game, one garbage touchdown in the Oakland game, where they were playing soft coverage. They were giving up basically any completion to Darren Waller. I don't know if you saw the Waller stats, but he had like 13 catches for – 130 yards, and I think 10 of those came in the second half when it was completely out of reach. So the, the completion percentage deal is, I think, probably a little overblown. You know, the one game where they had to play four quarters against Aaron Rodgers, they actually did quite well against Rodgers, um, you know, after the fast start that Green Bay had, which I think was, was due in large part to uh, some sloppy tackling. The linebackers weren't great against the running backs. Uh, they picked on a rookie who was in, in for Mackenzie Alexander at the moment. Uh, but then they shut him down for three quarters. So I would say the secondary is in a great position in you know, the safeties. Harrison Smith's obviously one of the best, but you know, if you've been following Anthony Harris's career, he was actually an upgrade from Andrew Sandejo a year ago. PFF has, has consistently created him as one of the best safeties in football when he's played. And I think he's right up there again this year, obviously had two picks against the bears at soldier last year. Um, and then Xavier Rhodes, you know, he, he kind of had a setback against Devontae Adams in week two, was excellent against Julio Jones in week one, didn't get tested much against Oakland. So uh, I think Chicago is a tough matchup for him because they've got some of those 50 receivers. Uh, Jones or Rhodes, I should say, much better against the bigger bodies because uh, I think his big body is, you know, really good matching up against that type of skill set. Um, so I think this could be a, a good Bears matchup with all the speed they have, the pre-snap motion. I'll be interested to see kind of who rode shadows, if anybody, and how the Bears try to attack because they were really using their speed well against Minnesota a year ago with uh, that great game plan. Now, switching from your secondary, and I want to look at the defensive front. I mean, the run defense appears to be doing, I would say, fairly well. When I, Again, and I'm curious to your take looking at the situationals, but the stats were just, I would call them average, allowing just a little over 100 yards per game and 4.4 yards per rush. But I have a hunch that just like the secondary numbers, these are a little inflated due to some of that garbage time. Am I correct? Yeah, I think I, I kind of wipe out the Oakland games and the Atlanta games, you know, and, and I go back to the Green Bay game. And in that context, I would actually say you can maybe run on this defense a little bit. And I go back to training camp where Linval Joseph, who was already coming off a season where he regressed a bit, um, then he missed virtually the entire offseason rehabbing. He had multiple surgeries kind of on the upper body to try to get some, you know, shoulder elbow issues fixed. 
and he didn't really play until that week one game. So I don't know if, you know, missing a full off season has, has impacted him. Um, but he's definitely not as classy as he used to be. You know, he's also getting up to that age 30 sort of plateau. Shamal Stephan also had a uh, training camp injury, and, and he's typically been, you know, kind of a, a run-of-the-mill uh, big body. He can take on blockers, but he's not going to penetrate. He's not going to really splash a whole lot either. And, you know, strangely enough, the Vikings went with both their big bodies in that Green Bay game a lot, you know, uncharacteristically a lot, 70 75% using sort of that base with Lindell Joseph and Shamar Stephan. And Green Bay still ran the ball very successfully in that game. Aaron Jones was, was excellent. You know, Jamal Williams was excellent. So I think that's a little, you know, a, a bit of reason for concern if you're a Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. That being said, the, the linebackers supporting them have been uh, very good with a couple lapses against Green Bay. But Wilson, we talked about, Eric Hendricks was phenomenal against Oakland. And Anthony Barr is just kind of a physical freak who can move all around and blitz the quarterback and, and chase down running backs and occasionally cover a tight end. So the, um, the run defense is maybe not the, uh, the caliber it has been in years past. I still wouldn't want to run against them in like a fourth and one. But, you know, if you're trying to get to the edges, I think this, uh, this run defense might not be as uh, dominant as it's cracked up to be. I right, one last question about this defense here, and it's about the pass rush. Uh, Minnesota, they're getting after quarterbacks at a top 10 rate, seventh in the NFL. They're getting sacks on 8% of the defensive snaps, 10 sacks on the entire year. Uh, so simple question, probably a little longer answer for you, Sam. Uh, what's working up front? Well, Everson Griffin's back to being himself. Remember, he had uh, the run-in with the law last year. He had mental health issues that he had to, uh, take time away for and when he came back he kind of lost his competitive edge he wasn't the same guy and this year he looks back to normal he looks like 2017 everson griffin uh he absolutely destroyed david bakhtiari in the green bay game and bakhtiari might not have been playing 100 percent, but uh griffin's been really really good i think he's got two sacks on the year had one against Carr. had one against matt ryan Neil Hunter has a sack in, in each of the first three games, and he's one of the more underrated defensive ends in the NFL. Just a really, you know, smart, kind of unassuming, super athletic guy that, you know, I'm not sure people outside the NFC North are familiar enough with, but Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are an awfully good tandem at defensive end. Uh, they don't get a ton from their interior rush right now. They, they've gone with a, a rushing down package of, Hercules Mata'afa, who I mentioned earlier, this is his first year playing because he was he was out last year with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stephen Weatherly, the converted defensive end, they're trying to find a way to utilize his talents. And I don't know if he's taken very well to that inside rushing role. So I think they're going to have to to go after Trubisky from the edges or from the linebacker position, where sometimes the Vikings get most of their sacks via scheme. You know, they're they're not. They're not a team that's going to have a 20-sack guy because they like to spread it out. You know, they'll bring a, a rare nickel blitz when you least expect it, or they'll, you know, they'll open up a gap and suddenly uh, Eric Hendricks is shooting through untouched. I, I, I have no numbers to support this, but I venture to say that more than half the Viking sacks are uncontested sacks where really no one uh, blocks the guy because they're just so good at schematically and Mike Zimmer putting guys in positions just to shoot gaps and, and then make a play. So... Uh, what's working? I think it's sort of the the same recipe that they're getting contributions from you know their two studs on the end, 
the the anchors at defensive tackle aren't going to you know get into the backfield, but they're going to just be big bodies in there and and open things up for the linebackers. Same as it always has been with Mike Zimmer, and I think it's another uh, pretty good pass rushing rushing unit. All right, Sam, we're hitting the nitty-gritty here to the kind of final questions of this episode. And I just want to know, is there anything else about the Vikings, offense, defense, special teams, X-factors, storylines, anything that we haven't hit on yet today that you believe you know, myself and our listeners would definitely benefit from knowing from? Well, we've talked a lot of offense and defense. I'll give you a quick crash course on special teams. All right. As you know, and, and as Bears fans can attest, you know you want to have consistency and continuity at special teams, and that's not something the Bears or Vikings have had a lot of the past couple of years. And the Vikings went through training camp at different times, having uh, multiple competitors at long snapper, at punter, at place kicker, and at holder. And they have finally settled on the rookie draft pick, Austin Cutting, long snapping. You've got a new punter, uh, Britton Colquitt, that they brought in sort of after the final roster cuts. Britton Colquitt, the veteran, is their punter and holder. And then uh, Dan Bailey, you know, the veteran who a lot of people thought was on the way out when they traded for uh, Corey Vedvik, who I think the Bears pursued. Um, Mm -hmm. They got him from Baltimore for a fifth-round pick. Vedvik obviously blew up here in Minnesota. He couldn't kick in games. After all of his success with the Ravens, it didn't work out. The Vikings wasted a fifth on Vedvik. They cut ties with him and he went to the, the, the Jets, obviously it didn't work out there, but um, yeah. So Dan Bailey kept his job and he missed one kick against green Bay, had an extra point blocked, not good. Then hit a 50 yarder last week to sort of instill a little confidence. Now he goes into a tough place to kick. Um, Bailey was one of the more inaccurate kickers in football last year after he came in to replace the other rookie, Daniel Carlson. There's so many moving parts here, I can barely keep it straight, but uh, the Vikings are just crossing their... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Fingers that having a veteran holder like Britton Colquitt can be a stabilizing force and get Bailey back to that accurate kicker that was, you know, hitting 89% career, um, one of the most accurate kickers in football which was not the case a year ago. So uh, be watchful for Viking special teams, drama. It seems to pop up every now and then. And, uh, and I'm sure there will be no shortage of special teams conversation on the Bears' side as well. Yeah, uh, it seems like you're on a pretty good uh, spot there in terms of understanding some special teams woes in Minnesota, just like we have here in Chicago. But Sam, one last question. And you know, uh, you've been on the Meet the Opponent episodes before. It's been some time, but I'm sure you remember. I answer, or I ask, I should say, uh, the same question to end each episode. And the first part of it is, why will the Vikings win on Sunday? I think their defense is going to have to win the take-give. Um, Chicago just completely shredded Case Keenum last night. Uh, what was it? Three picks, two fumble recoveries. Um, the, the Bears defense is a turnover machine, and a lot of people were banking on sort of the, the fumble luck to go away, per se. And I don't know if it has. I don't know if it will. But 
the Vikings defense has been very opportunistic so far this year. I, I, you can sense that their defensive backs have a little greater emphasis on ripping the ball out, trying to, to get those takeaways via fumble recovery. Obviously, they're safety their ball hawks. Harrison Smith had an interception last week. Mentioned Anthony Harris had a great game against Chicago last year. So they're going to need to create turnovers one way or another and win that take give. Um, you know, Mitch Trubisky has shown against the Vikings a, a propensity, I think, to be a very good quarterback, especially on third down. But he's also made some ill-advised throws. And the Vikings have a very good knack for forcing those turnovers sort of on, you know, the obvious passing down third and eight, third and nine, they get after the quarterback. He makes a mistake and suddenly they've got a short field. Now what's the key to that, to take it a step further? How do you get quarterbacks in that situation? You have to be better on first and second down. And that comes down to just the basic NFL tenet. Can you stop the run and then rush the passer on third down? That's what the Vikings have to do. And if they do that, they'll have a better chance to win that take give and win this game, it's not going to be easy. And I'm sure you've watched all these Vikings-Bears games over the years. Only times the Vikings have been able to win at Soldier were with last-second field goals. And those were some good Vikings teams, too. And those were some bad Bears teams those years. And they still needed the last-second field goal to win. So it's going to be a battle for Minnesota to come out on top. Oh, yeah, I'm expecting a big-time battle. In the NFC North, it's so competitive this year. I mean, every game's going to count. This one in Week 3 could even loom, you know, loom large towards the end of this season. But the flip side of my two-part question, of course, is what's it going to take for Minnesota to actually lose this game? I think if, if the Bears stop Dalvin Cook, I think that takes away the heart of this Vikings offense. The Vikings are a team that thrives when they play ahead, and when they get behind, they just have a tougher time catching up. And Mike Zimmer has said this year that he's going to be super patient with the run. Even if they get behind, he's going to keep establishing. And for, for what it's worth, it kind of worked against Green Bay. They fell behind 21 nothing, and Dalvin Cook ripped off an 85-yard touchdown. Suddenly they were back in the game, and you could even argue Minnesota should have won that Green Bay game despite their early 21-point deficit. But I don't think that Chicago is going to let Minnesota win the ball, You know, even if they get down by 14, I think that your defensive front, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, who abused the Vikings last year, I think they're a little too tough uh, for Dalvin Cook to get going the same way he has been. Now, Minnesota's going to be persistent, but Kirk Cousins is going to have to make some plays. And unless something's changed with Kirk Cousins, this is just not the type of game that bodes well for him. A lot of pressure, um, you know, in terms of the game itself and just the bodies that will be coming at him. So it would be uncharacteristic if Kirk throws them to victory. Um, I think you take away Cook, you take away sort of the soul of this Vikings attack. Great stuff there, Sam. I want to thank you again for all the time that you gave us today to hop on the show and give us you know, your firsthand account of the Vikings. Super insightful. I mean, I learned a lot, and if I learned a lot, I'm sure all of our listeners did as well. So really do appreciate the time today. Yeah, it should be an awesome game. Uh, enjoy covering it. It's going to be awesome. Thanks so much. All right, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed Sam's insight on the Bears Week 4 opponent. Up next is going to be our weekly preview episode as we're going to tell you everything that you need to know before kickoff. And yeah, we're rolling right along here throughout this short game week. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.
How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.